Hey, welcome to the aggressive life. This is Brian again. You know, aggression, it isn't about, you know, pushing somebody around, physically dominating somebody, being the loud mouth in the meeting. Not interested in that at all. It's it's about saying, I'm not going to wait for something to happen. I'm going to make, make something happen. I'm not going to assume that somebody's going to take care of me. I'm going to take care of me if I can, if I can. I got a guy today who's one of the most aggressive people I know. And if I told you who he is or why he is, you go, what? 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 No, no, seriously. This is a very, very aggressive man. Endurance is what he's about. He is enduring. Endurance isn't the ability to just bear a hard thing, but also someone said to turn it into glory. This actual wisdom comes from Scottish theologian William Barclay. It was also the quotation that Ryan Atkins chose to run alongside his senior picture in a high school yearbook. Little did he know exactly how much he would lean into that idea. Ryan went to high school with my daughter. I think she might have actually had a secret crush on you at one point. Who, who, who didn't have a secret crush on Ryan Atkins? Right now, who doesn't have a secret crush on Ryan Atkins? I do. I'm looking at you right now. I'm like, I want to sit on your lap right now. Very impressive man. Athlete. Full ride scholarships. Business future. Just, uh, you know, uh, impressive guy. Uh, my daughter ends up in the same scholarship program with him at the University of Cincinnati, and they're on their way to a planning retreat for something or other in the college. And uh, Ryan's at the wheel, and there is a road incident. And the next thing you know, his car uh, that he's driving does some somersaults, and he is a quadriplegic. That's the man I'm looking at right now here at the studio at The Aggressive Life. He has uh, written a book. I've been in contact with this guy. We're going to talk about his book. But, uh, you know, we have a little email relationship that's been going on back and forth over the last few years. And one of the things he emailed me after I gave a talk on a man is a protector is he reached out to me and said, hey, I I really want to be a protector, but how do I be a protector in my state? A lot of times when we think about men being protectors, we have the image of, you know, somebody physically protecting somebody or stepping in front of a speeding bullet or beating off a mugger or something like that. Uh, that, That can be a protector. But, you know, as we talked about or emailed back and forth, it also is giving people wisdom, giving people perspective, giving people some spiritual depth. Uh, that, that's the kind of guy this guy is. He thinks that. He actually asked that. He didn't just go, oh, you know, I'm a victim. Now I can't protect somebody. He says, hey, I, I, how, how do I, am I still a protector? He's a good man. He's a true man. He's an aggressive man, and he's with us today. Ryan Atkins, welcome to The Aggressive Life. Brian, great to be here. Hi. Uh, Big fan of the show, and uh, it's an honor to be a part of it. Uh, well, it's it's great to have you, and uh, we also got uh, your lovely wife, Stephanie, here in the studio. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Brian. You can hear her right there. Uh, so take us back. All that I said, is there anything you want to put an addendum on? I felt I felt kind of dirty actually describing your accident because I wasn't there, and I don't know, is that is that painful to go back to the, the night or day of that accident? Um, just just t- tell us about that day, and or maybe you don't. Is that a day you don't ever want to think about or talk about again? Well, I, yeah. So 2009, I was student, University of Cincinnati. I uh, felt like I was on top of the world. I uh, was just loving everything about college life, uh, fully involved, excited about studying abroad in Europe, 
uh, excited about job prospects. Uh, at 21, I thought, like, what could be better than this? Um, I was fully intent on uh, my future plans and my success. And in my mind, everything was going along just great until a uh, eventful night in November 2009. When you look back on that night, or do you never look back on it? Is it like is something you want to just shut out of your mind and never, ever think about? Or do you find that you go back to it a lot mentally? Oh, no, I, I think it's helpful to uh, consider what happened. I It was a massive moment in my life. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, thinking back to uh, that night, I was driving along the highway. I lost control of the wheel. I overcorrected. And uh, after slamming into the guardrail, uh, went airborne and lost consciousness. And after that, flipped multiple times. Uh, and at some point later, I opened my eyes on the side of the highway and just found myself in this dark hole and looking around wondering what just happened, where am I, what's going on. Uh, I, felt, I felt trapped, I felt, I was confused. Why, why, can't, why can't I move anything? In fact, I, I can't even feel anything. I don't feel pain, I, don't, I can't feel where my arms and legs are. What is happening? And uh, slowly my breathing began to um, slow down and I started panicking a little bit, wondering, hey, is this, is this the end, am I dying? And next thing I know, I was um, getting airlifted to a hospital in the emergency room. And doctors um, soon determined that I was paralyzed at a very high level, paralyzed below uh, the shoulders, and maybe even a ventilator for life. And so uh, the whole world that I knew and loved and was excited about uh, turned completely upside down. Obviously, you don't need a ventilator for life. You're talking with us, you're breathing with us right now, though I can still see it's, you have to think about every breath you take right now, or is it natural, or what's it like? Yeah, and so after the, being in the hospital, I was in the hospital for about four months, um, relearning how to breathe, uh, relearning how to talk, to eat again, and just really trying to strengthen my lungs and move forward as strong as I can. I mean, yeah, right now, it's it's not, I don't have full lung capacity, it's I have to take an extra breath and everything, but uh, very thankful to not have a tube in my throat and able to breathe on my own. So before before you were 21, when this accident happened, did you spend much time ever thinking about or having a fear of what if I was ever paralyzed? No, I mean, that never crossed my mind. I, I felt completely confident in um, myself and my own abilities and never really took the time to think that suffering to that extent um, would ever head my way. Mm. I ask that because if you ask me when I was, you know, six, eight, 21, shoot, you know, even now, 55, what's your biggest fear? Actually, I guess it would change because I would say now, you know, losing a, losing a child or losing my wife or something. I'd probably say that now, but for most of my life, I would say being paralyzed. That would be my biggest fear. Um, so when I look at you, that's part of why I have such admiration for you. I'm like, man, that that guy's living my fear, and, and you're and you're making your life work in many degrees. I mean, well, you got married. You got married after the accident, right? You yeah, know, writing books. Jeez. Well, you know, tell me about that. What what would you say is the main the fear that that drives that what you said about being paralyzed? Just curious. Uh, I think it would be 
being dependent on other people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, I would say that has been the most humbling aspect of recognizing that I, I can't do this all on my own. And we all come to that place at some point in life. Um, it just may look a little bit different from a physical standpoint, but yeah, we, we need other people. And I, it's, I mean, yeah, it's been challenging to have to ask for help and have to ask for assistance on just basic aspects of day-to-day life. So that is difficult for you then, that aspect. Oh yeah. I mean, still 11 years later, it's, it's challenging, but I've, I've had some great people around me that have been very willing to help and very, very generous with that. And I, Still learning along the way. I'll take you back to something you and I have never talked about. You might have heard me talk about somebody else, but you and I have never talked about it. All right. You know, this is not a, I'm a person of faith. I'm a follower of Christ. You know, I wear that in my sleeve, but this is really not a, a Jesus podcast per se. We're not, we're not quoting Bible verses every week. And we got guests on who, you know, have, have zero interest in, in spirituality. You know, right. it's about aggressive life, right? Nonetheless, you know, Jesus is my life. He's the most important thing to me. And my day job is a pastor. And uh, let's go back to that prayer service, if you remember that prayer service. And it was kind of like who's who in Cincinnati because uh, Ryan's family is very beloved. His uh, his dad has uh, just got a great business career and has a great reputation. So it was kind of like who's who in Cincinnati with, with, a, with a spiritual framework showed up to this I say a little prayer meeting. There's maybe 200 people there, and um, and they asked me to be one of the one of the guys who spoke and did something at it. So I, I I gave this talk about how one time Jesus had to pray for somebody at least twice. He prayed for this blind guy, and and then he said, "Okay, how's how's how is it?" And the blind guy said, "Well, I see objects that look like they're moving like trees." And Jesus went, "All right, let's do this again." And my point was, if the greatest healer that ever walked had to pray for somebody more than once, we shouldn't be discouraged if we got to pray multiple times for, for, for certain things. And then I go into the thing of, hey, we have, we, have to have, we have to have a level of belief and all that stuff. So do you remember, the, do you know the incident I'm going to say here, right? I'm just curious, I, but I'm going to quiz you, you. I've heard you mention this on stage a few times. Oh, you've heard me mention it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you, you, do, do you remember it or you just heard me mention it? So I, at that point, I had, I had just gotten out of the hospital and everything was very, very new to me. I, I, I vaguely remember the story you've talked about. But yeah, everything was pretty overwhelming to me at that point, just being around people for the first time in months and really just adjusting to my new lifestyle. So he's overwhelmed. Ryan is. He's a, it, it would be overwhelming to have 200 people there just to pray for you, that alone, let alone the trauma and everything. So we prayed for him for a while, and it was bold prayers, had my hands on these guys. And, um, and, and I've seen in, in my own life literal physical healings. That's not like fantasy fairy tale for me. Those of you listening, it does happen. It doesn't happen a lot. That's why it's called a miracle. <laughs> There's no formula to, to ensure one. Whenever someone says, well, you're not praying right, you're not this, right? Okay, maybe there's some tips you can have, but it's, it's, it's very, very, very rare. It's why it's called a miracle. But I've seen enough to, to have level of faith with it. So we, we pray, we pray, I got hands on. And then, and then I, and just like in the story I said where, where, where Jesus says, how do you, do you see anything? And the guy says, well, I see trees move around. I go, I, I, I asked you, do you, do you feel anything different? And the moment I say that, half the room goes up into 
immediate laughter. <laughs> it's kind of like this nervous like laughter. They're like they're not sure how to. They're like laughing about it, and and I didn't think much of it, and um and I was praying for you, and then I continued praying. And when I left that day, two things happened. To so that one, I recognized what took place, and I committed to God that, Lord, if if I'm ever in a prayer meeting, and people laugh at the possibility of you saying yes to the prayer, I'm going to ask them to leave. You don't have to have perfect faith. The Bible says faith like a mustard seed. You don't have to have perfect faith. But you can't freaking laugh at the idea that God might actually say yes to this prayer. And then the other thing I thought, that's part of where the aggressive life came from. I was like, man, I was just too passive there. Too passive. I know that I would have ruffled so many feathers and people would have hated me if I said, okay, all you, what I wanted, what I will do, and I've committed this for the Lord. If I remember that situation, I'll tell everybody, okay, whoever laughed right now, we need you to leave. We're going to have you leave right now, and we're going to continue praying. That's, I, what, I don't, that's yeah. what Jesus did? Yes, right. He got people out of the room. So I just I just say all that to say, Ryan, there's there's a lot in your life and your story that's impacted me, and um, and I'm thankful for you. Well, Brian, thanks. I I appreciate the, the boldness of that, and, yeah, I'd be very curious to hear uh, what how people would react uh, if, that, if that's what happened. Well, I— you know me, I'm always liking to have people hate me more than they do. So that would be, that would that'd be really fun. Let's talk about manhood. How, how do you, as a man, you ask that thing about how does, how do I protect? What, what's your journey as a man look like right now? Oh, I, it, it definitely took, took some time for me to, to recognize, hey, where, where am I getting my identity as a man? I think it was before I got hurt, it was, oh, this, my, my identity needs to be in uh, my physical strength, it needs to be in my my title, my job title, my uh, a net worth that's impressive or some title that others would think impressive and thinking, oh, that, that's how I'm going to be a man, by what I consume or produce. And coming to a place of being very limited in my physical capabilities, having to recognize, hey, I, wh- where where can I still strive in this? And, and it, I mean, it took some time, but recognizing that, hey, you know, I can still work hard. I can still uh, focus on running my own race. And you mentioned being a protector. It, it took some time to work through insecurities of uh, being in a dating relationship, being uh, wanting to pursue marriage. And what does it look like to, like, how am I, how am I supposed to protect my wife without uh, being a imposing physical presence? And as, as I came to, came to realize, I'm I'm still able to protect Stephanie in many ways. I can, I mean, not only I can make sure that um, she's physically protected, whether it's like we talked about having someone else asking someone, "Hey, can you walk? Can you walk Stephanie to the car? Can mm. can you help me with something that? Yeah, I'd rather be doing on my own, but uh, it takes some humility to to do that. But beyond that, beyond the physical aspect, I can protect her emotionally. I can check in with her. I can make sure she feels. Uh, loved and cared for, I can pray for her. And I think being a protector looks a lot more than what I initially assumed it would. Yeah. You mentioned work. How, how are you working these days? Well, right now my, my focus, I've been, I've been writing and been able to finish my, my book. And so this year has really been just looking at opportunities to share more of my story, uh, whether it's podcasts, other interviews, just different opportunities to write. And it's been challenging, but but it's been a lot of fun just to have just to have this project. A reason to get up in the morning of hey, I feel like I have a I have a message of hope that 
I think our world is desperate for right now. And I want to do whatever I can to um, get that out to people. Well, tell us about that. Tell us about your book and what your message is. So I, yeah, I wrote a book, One Step Closer, how a life-altering accident led me to everything I almost missed. And, and while, I, while I definitely weave my story in about my life and uh, battling quadriplegia and um, just different aspects of my journey along the way, uh, my, my goal of writing it was I really want to lay out a blueprint of why I believe we can live with hope no matter what our circumstances may be. And I believe that's done best through uh, by embracing an eternal perspective. And yeah, I, I'd really like to just um, just infuse a, a message of hope into, uh, I think, a world that desperately needs it right now. Do you, do you have to remind yourself of that regularly or are you right now, like, I, I, guess, I guess two extremes could be in your situation, daily regret over the way this life could look right now, that'd be one extreme, or the other extreme would be, I don't think about it any more than I think about what color my eyes are. Where, where are you in that perspective? In, in terms of the physical yeah. challenges? Well, I mean, I, I'd love to get back on my feet. I, yeah, it's been 11 years, but I still believe that God can heal me. But at the same time, I, I don't want to, I think for a long time, I, I was, I think, kind of passively waiting for my ideal circumstances to come to fruition. Mm. And so I, I don't want to do that. I, want, I don't want to wait um, for everything to line up. And so, I want, yeah, I want to take action now and ensure that while I'm, while I'm waiting for my own miracle, that uh, perhaps I could be one for someone else. Gosh, I'm taking notes on you. <laughs> Passively waiting for my ideal circumstances to come to fruition. That is, that is said really, really well. And I know a lot of dudes, a lot of women who aren't paralyzed, but are doing that right now, still passively waiting for their ideal circumstances to come to fruition. Yeah, for me, the first one was going back to school. I thought, oh, I I need to, as soon as I'm back on my feet, then then I'll finish my degree. And a year passes, two year passes. It's like, my friends are graduating. What am I, what am I doing? Like, I need to, I need to get into action. And I, I had a powerful conversation with my dad. Or he's saying, hey, Ryan, what's your plan? It's like, how long are you going to wait around? It's like, hey, yeah. yeah it's, time to, it's time to kick it into gear and to recognize that my ideal circumstances aren't just going to happen. I need to take some action and move forward no matter what the challenges are. When did your dad start pushing you and having that conversation? A, a couple years after I got hurt. I, I was really focusing on the physical rehab hmm. at that point, really just trying to take advantage of that window when – um, when my body's healing, and I really want to get as much back as I possibly can. Uh, but as the months went on, I'm looking down at my motionless arms and legs and thinking, either my life right now is completely meaningless or there is a much bigger purpose to my life. And so I had to find other ways to move forward. Mm. All right, so so back to your book. Let's talk more about your book. Because I, I want people to buy your book, but I want people to get good stuff that's in your book for free right now. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> if we get, just tease us some more. So to, well, what are some of the things that, that you're fired up about in the book? I know one of the chapters is pretty interesting. The title, The Battlefield of the Mind. Talk about that. I believe that our 
our minds have much more power uh, over our lives than I, I ever could have realized. The, the proverb, uh, as a man thinks, so he is. And I think sometimes I may come to a place of like, oh, well, that, that's kind of hokey, like the idea that, you know, just think happy thoughts. When I think there's actually a deep spiritual component um, to where our mind is. And for me, that looked like um, a lot of times I would put my hope into specific circumstances coming about, whether it's, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be up on my feet before my wedding. And I put a lot of hope in that. And I pr- share pretty vulnerably about that in my book, just the expectations that were, that I had for that. And when that, when that didn't happen, my, I, I was devastated. And that had led to a very dark period of my life where uh, I just wondered, hey, what, like, I, I don't understand it. I must not understand enough about God. I must not have purpose here. And I really, my, my body began to follow suit and mm. was shutting down. And I was in the hospital for another month. And it, it really helped me to understand that our minds have so much power over our body and where we're moving going forward. And that's why I think it's it's very important to uh, to live with the with a hel- healthy balance of optimism and uh the reality of our current struggles. The book of Psalms used the phrase hope deferred. Basically says hope deferred is a curse. You know, hope is that thing that keeps us believing that there's something better coming. But when hope itself is deferred, like you, you got to wait until you even have the belief. Some, I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just an, an awful, awful place to be. But you, you set your hope in things that are beyond you walking on this earth right now, right? Yeah, Wrong. Well, yeah. Well, now I, I I've recognized that when when our hope isn't anything besides um, something sustainable, which that's why I believe that Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. Um, but if our hope is in our physical health or our retirement or our our elected officials or um, some medical breakthrough, then uh, we're we're always we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. Let me lob you up with another one of your industrial strength spiritual lines out of the book. Seek the healer, not healing. Talk about that. I was so focused on um, getting physical healing um, early on that 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 was that was everything. It was I'm going to do rehab. I'm going to work work my arms and legs as much as I can. And then when I came to a place not being able to do it on my own, I thought, oh, well, I'll go to God because, you know, I, I've heard he, he healed a paralytic. Well, well, he can do that for me. And so that became my whole focus. And thankfully, God met me where I was and showed me that I have a, a much bigger need. I, I have a need for a Savior beyond my physical complications. And so I, I, right, my mindset really changed to rather than just seeking healing, I want to seek the healer himself. Yeah, so many of us are only interested in God or not interested in God because of what he is or isn't giving us. You know, we, we don't really want God himself. I've heard it said, seek his face, not his hand. Hand is the thing that actually gives you blessings, right? His face is his identity. Uh, you know, very few of us want God. We just want what we think God can give us. Not good. Absolutely. I, I mean, a lot of times I get asked, oh, well, why, how can you still believe that God's good? And I think the 
premise of that question is is kind of an issue. Is like, what, why would we just assume that God is going to just give us everything we want and only wants an easy, carefree life for us? And I mean, any parent is going to discipline their child because they love them because they have a much better understanding of of life of what they need. And the Bible says that God disciplines those He loves. And for me, like on top of on top of recognizing that um, God's not just here to serve and g- give us this easy, carefree life and make everything perfect. Uh, he's, I mean, incredibly good. He's, I mean, not only offers forgiveness, but um, eternal paradise with him, a eternal home uh, where, with a rich inheritance that doesn't spoil or fade. So I, I, uh, I fully believe that our, our view of God's goodness sometimes needs to be uh needs to be challenged a little bit dude it's so inspiring to hear you talk about that you know because all of us have problems we bitch and moan about i do i do and i'm not in a wheelchair (laughs) i'm I'm ashamed at the number of number of things that uh, just bothers me when my life is just so easy relative to what it could be um it's it's stunning to hear your resolute faith. I know you have days of doubt, er, doubts. Everybody has doubts. Oh, absolutely. Everybody, you know. But uh, but to have your resolute faith and not having an attitude of bitterness towards God or atheism towards God, that's pretty cool. And why? How? Explain that to me. That just seems unreal. How do you how do you still have faith in this man? Come on, come on, let's be real here. Yeah, I. You're, 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 that, if God loved you and God cared for you and God was overseeing you, why didn't why didn't He change the trajectory of the car? Why did why did He yada 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 yada? Why? How, how do you deal with those questions? Well, I I think that well, first of all, our, our suffering it, it it gives us a much better idea of okay, what I have in my life, um, what I was putting my hope in. This is not going to sustain me, and so for me it was, oh, I I have a much deeper need than I ever could have realized. I've I have a need for a savior, and and I I'm thankful that um, God revealed Himself to me, and in the midst of that, to be able to give me supernatural peace when yeah, there, there's no way I should have it. There, there's no way I should feel uh, purposeful or um, hopeful, and yet I believe that God's continued to show himself faithful over and over again. Uh, but when it comes to worrying about our physical health, um, if we really believe that um, God has promised a renewed, restored physical body, then are we really going to worry about the temporary challenges? And, and that, that's not to make light of, not to make light of it. I, I It's very, each day is very difficult. Uh, a lot of painful days, a lot of, Frustrations, a lot of feeling of missing out, but but I think it's crucial just to remind myself of of holding on to that eternal perspective, believing that um, God's got a much bigger plan than than the limited focus that um, I had as a twenty one year old. So your faith is in a transcendent God, not the kind of day that you want to have. Yeah, if my if my hope is going to be in and how the day goes or how my body's feeling or whether or not I'm getting to experience a type of um, fun or joy or fulfillment that I want all the time, then, then it's going to be, it's going to be an up and down journey. But when our faith is in 
on on a solid rock of Jesus, then we're able to navigate our circumstances with hope no matter what. Ryan Atkins, do you think that you're up for the lightning round? Can you handle the lightning round? Lightning round. The lightning round. It. This is where I give you a couple topics and you've got to, you got to, you got to get back to me in one or two sentences. Are you up for the lightning round, Ryan Atkins? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Hardest part of achieving your goal of the first book you've written. Getting the manuscript back from my first editor and recognizing I still had months and months of work left to do. That is awful. Those editors suck. They <laughs> utterly suck. I've never met an editor I liked. But very helpful. Yeah, the, the, what, the, the, what, maybe, what, maybe. What, what would you say was the biggest challenge for you? Uh... Yeah, I think that's it. I think every time you think you're done, there's another thing to do. Like, yeah. okay, there's the manuscript. Oh, I felt great about that part. Right, there it is. And then they go, okay, well, here's all the revisions you make. Really? So you make all the revisions. Okay, done. It goes there. And then it goes to somebody else in the publishing house who then does fact-checking, and then they go, oh, can you give me data on this? You're like, it just, it just never freaking ends. But it feels great to be done, though. Yeah, it does. It does. I agree with that thing you're most looking forward to in 2021? Uh, opportunities to share more about my story and hopefully offer hope to a world that des desperately needs it. Lesson you're still learning. Life's not on pause while we wait for our perfect scenarios to come to fruition. Most aggressive move you've made since your accident. Ending an unhealthy romantic relationship when many around me thought I was crazy not to just stick it out and warn me that I probably lead to dying alone. <sighs> All right. This is always the moment where I break around with the lightning round because I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking at you and Stephanie here right now. Give us a romance lesson. So, Brian, July 2011. You were giving a sermon. It was like a family series. Yeah. He said, hey, you young guys right now, if the person you're with is not a woman you, if the woman you're with is not someone you want to, you share a vision with, you want to raise kids with, you want to build a life with, you need to break up right now. And uh, I felt like you were talking right to me. Mm. I felt like the people around me were, Question me like, hey, you, you got you to gotta stay in this. Yeah. Almost like settle because you're in a very tough situation. Um, and one guy was even like, dude, like you have a girl Indian. You're a quadriplegic. Oh, wow. In the uh, following days and the end of the relationship, long-term relationship I was in. And I had no idea what was next. And a year later, got together with Stephanie. So <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for that message. Oh, wow. You're welcome. Biggest lesson you've learned about yourself? I can't do it on my own. Biggest lesson you've learned about God? He loves me even when I don't perform. The key to endurance? Embracing an eternal perspective. You really play by the rules really well with the lightning round. You're, you're a real rule keeper, Ryan Atkins. You are. I'm... I'm pretty impressed. I, I, I've heard you you go off on people that go too long. 
You came in here so, prepared. So you I, did your homework. I, I better keep it short. <laughs> uh, biggest lesson you hope people learn from your story? We have a very short time on this earth. Let's be sure that what we're putting our hope in can sustain us no matter what may happen. Ryan, you're a deep well. You are. You're a deep well. Um, thank you for today. Huge, huge perspective lift for many of us. A huge example of not phoning it in. Huge example of not choosing just wallow in your problems. Huge perspective on wisdom. I'll just say it again passively waiting for my ideal circumstances to come to fruition. You've dropped a lot of truth bombs on us. You have a lot more and you've only scratched the surface. I want people to get your book. So where do they get your book? What do they do? Just just, just take this time to advertise yourself and what you're doing, how people can follow up with you and the stuff you got. Yeah, definitely. I So pretty active on Instagram. You can find me at Ryan S. Atkins. And my new book is called One Step Closer. How a life-altering accident led me to everything I almost missed. It is available on Amazon. And if you're interested, you can um, you can download the first chapter for free and some other book bonuses at readonestepcloser.com. Ryan, that's good stuff. Thank you, thank you to you and Stephanie coming into the studio today. And for everybody else, hey, man. Come on, stop your excuses. Stop your freaking whining about your life. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Unless you've been paralyzed below the eyeballs, stop it. Stop it. You have a life. God's given you a life. We've all got problems. All of us would like to have less problems than we have. There's a life waiting for you. Honor God. Go forward and don't wait for things to happen. Make them happen as best you can before him. We'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. Special thanks to the band Judges for the Music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.